when we get to it, I'm going to be, I'm going to start in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, but then I'm going to go over into Exodus, and we're going to spend our time this morning in Exodus. So you can go ahead and be turning to chapter 2, and that way we'll be ready when we get there. See, my topic this morning is God using ordinary people in extraordinary ways. Now, how many here this morning, other than me, is an ordinary person? Got some more out there? Yeah, sure we are. Yeah, good. I just found out that uh, uh, one of my special friends, Adam Burns, is having a birthday today. So when you see him out there today, I think he's helping in Kidwell this morning. Uh, if he's snuck back in here, I can't see him from up here, I promise you. So just tell him happy birthday. A uh, neat thing when I think about birthdays, you know, uh, uh, I know Gary Bradshaw down here just had one in August 17th. But he's got two birthdays. And his other birthday is his spiritual birthday. And it's January 21st, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all, if, we, if we've... Uh, Given our life to Jesus, we've got two birthdays, so uh, that's something to certainly uh, celebrate. Being used by God. God is bigger, my friends, okay? And any time this morning, if you hear me say God is bigger, I just want you to repeat, God is bigger. Let's just try. God is bigger. Uh, that's pretty good. Just know you're doing this for the Lord. You ain't doing it for me. So let's get ready. God is in the business, my friends, of recycling broken lives. God is in the business of recycling broken lives. There is perhaps no greater news for you this morning and me this morning than God desires to use you. You hear me? God desires to use you. Now, he doesn't have to use you. He doesn't have to use me. But it's his desire to use you regardless of your past. You listening? Regardless of your past. Regardless of your excuses. And regardless, regardless of the obstacles you might find in your way. I've been teasing this girl. Uh, she keeps saying, I'm coming to the well. Won't you come to the well? well I'm going to come. i got to do this. i got to do that. I think I saw her this morning. I've, I've got to get out there after we finish up today and see if I can find her. Because really and truly, I told her that I hope she didn't get cut. Because instead of blood, she's going to bleed excuses. <laughs> but I think I saw her this morning. I, I've got to go see. That'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. This morning, this message takes a look at the life of Moses. Okay? A man who definitely was ordinary. And he had a flawed past. I've got a flawed past. How about you? Well, Moses did too. Yet, God saw something in Moses that Moses didn't even see in himself. 
He chose Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. You need to know this morning, friends, that God wants to use you, flaws and all, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. God is bigger. Just checking. A New Testament scripture today is found in Philippians. Chapter 13. Just kidding. Chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that him, my friends, is Jesus Christ. You see, it was the power of Christ within Paul that gave him spiritual contentment. He did it from Paul. He did it from Moses. And friends here today, I'm telling you, he can do it for you and me too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And in this prayer, I want you to repeat this this prayer out loud. Father God, we come to you today and we ask that you would please help me as I listen to your word and your message. Help me to respond to you how you want me to this morning. Obeying you and making myself totally available to you. Amen. God is bigger. You see, God is bigger than your past. God knew all about Moses' past. As we look at one of the most seemingly useless people today, we'll see how God used Moses to do big things. Our scripture is found in Exodus. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why did you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh 
and strayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You can keep it open. We're going to keep walking through there this morning as we go. Yes, Moses was a guy who had quite a past. I want to share with you a few things to think about this morning before I share this message. Number one, Moses didn't have a perfect past. In fact, Moses wasn't perfect at all. So why do you think God chose to use him for such a great task? Secondly, do you ever wonder if God has anything great that he'd like for you to do? And if so, what? Thirdly, if, there's that big word, I think it's the biggest word in the dictionary, if God chose to use you to do something great for his kingdom, what would you say to him? Fourth, what are some of the excuses that you give God when faced with being used for something great or with something small? What gifts, talents, and abilities do you think you have to offer God this morning? What can you do this week to use your talents, to use your gifts and your abilities for the kingdom of God? And last but not least, seventhly, if you could do something great for the kingdom of God, knowing you would never fail, what would you want to do if you knew that you would never fail? God is bigger. See, God knew all about Moses' past. God saw something in Moses, though, that Moses didn't see in himself. In spite of everything, God still chose to use him. God sees your past, okay? He knows our past. And I really believe in my heart that he sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. See, God is bigger. We've got to believe that. In spite of your weaknesses, in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of your failures, in spite of my failures, he still chooses you. God wants to use you. So my first, God is bigger than your past. Secondly, God is bigger than your excuses. God is bigger than your excuses. We bring my buddy up here. I'm going to have a little illustration time here in just a minute, so don't mind him. He'll be up in a few minutes. Look at Exodus 3, if you will, please, beginning with verse 1. Exodus 3, verse 1. 
about the burning bush. You ever heard of it? Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. While the bush is not burned, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to the good and the broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezerites, the Hittites, and the Jezbeites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. In just a little bit, I'm going to slide on down to chapter 14, okay? So you can just keep it open there. See, God calls Moses here. But instead of jumping up for joy at being called to serve God, Moses voiced doubts, and he offered excuses. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? This morning I asked my friend, Brother Gary, to come up, and I want him to share just to, he doesn't know what's coming, just have a seat. Okay, I learned something from my brother, my friend, about whew, 13 years ago now, I guess. We were on our first youth overnight trip, okay? And I learned that my buddy here had a little bit tougher time in the morning to getting ready and getting his pants on than I did. Now, sometimes I struggle a little bit, don't get me wrong. But some of you getting a little age on you. <clears throat> Like myself, you might feel a pain or two every now and then, too. But let me tell you something. This boy, he don't complain, but he gets them on. Takes them a little longer. His legs are crooked. One day, I tell him, he's going to be seven foot tall when he gets to heaven. Because he's going to have that new glorified body. Amen? I believe that. I brought Gary up this morning as an illustration 
when we're talking about excuses. Okay? You got any excuses this morning? You think about God and thank Him for the good help you had to put that one leg in one and the little leg in the other side this morning whether you was putting on a skirt or putting on a dress or putting on pants. Probably didn't even think about it. I didn't either before I spent that weekend trying to help my brother. A lot of times now he, he can do it himself. It takes a little longer. He could feel sorry for himself and step on that hill, Bradshaw Hill as we call it. But he doesn't do that. He gets out and lets God's light shine. He is God's servant. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Uh, he loves the Lord and he loves young people. And they love him. He's my monitor and he's the best monitor you could ask for. I mean, I've got some monitors and youth leaders that'll cater into the youth and give in to them because they just want to be a good old boy. They want to, instead of being a youth leader, you know, they want to they want to be like a youth, you know, and fit in, let everybody like them for that. But this, these two eyes here, when he sees it, he tells me. <laughs> and I know it. So I got four eyes going on, you know. Other than God's two eyes helping too, you know. But uh, not many excuses. He might have some aches and pains one day when I threatened him at the bottom of the hill. I said, it might be a good day if you get some exercise. Won't you, you know, just walk up Bradshaw Hill today? That's a long walk up a hill. I know it. I've been there and done that. It's steep. But listen, this morning, uh, think about excuses. How about God's Word? Huh? How much of God's Word have you got hidden in your heart? Now, I know when this lady down here, Mama Nancy, some years back, and she was able, before she got sick, they would sit at that kitchen table, and they would talk, and they still do it some, but I'm talking about they were faithful enough that she was putting God's word in his heart here. Okay? And i got to figure out where my speaker is. I'm going to turn around here and he's going to share something with you, okay? Just to see if you got any excuses about memorizing scripture, okay? If you do, this might help clear it up. 23rd Psalm. Go for it. Out loud. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Leaded me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thou carest the tables before me in the presence of thy enemies. Anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Love you, boy. All right, Jay. Love you, boy. Watch these cords here. All right. Amen. What's your excuse? What's my excuse? I got a song that I'd love for us to teach our young people sometime. Got a little country kick to it, but I don't mind that. But it says, excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil will supply them if from church you stay away. Yeah, we need to be in church. We need to be in church. Thank you for being here today. God is bigger.
Moses said that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? What if they don't believe me? God, I've never had eloquent speech. I'm slow of speech and my tongue. Friends, let me tell you something this morning. I've used those same excuses in my life. When I felt God calling me into full-time ministry, I told him, no, <laughs> you got the wrong dude. I'm, I don't like to be in front of people, okay? I'm a shy person. Some of y'all have a hard time believing that. But I really am. When I first got started 30-something years ago, I'd do a little children's sermon up front every Sunday. Golly, I put as much time in that children's sermon as I do in a regular message because it's harder to condense it down, you know. But it was just, man, I, doing it for God, you got to give your best. When we began uh, the well, we said what we want to do and all that we do whether we're handing out snow cones or whether we're bringing the worship up here, whoo! You know, we want to do it with excellence in giving God our very best. Friends, God has been and will be faithful to you and to me. That's good news. Now, as you think about obstacles in your life, okay? God is bigger than your past, than your excuses, but also he's bigger than our obstacles. Do you know I was my own obstacle? I was in the ministry. I'd surrendered. I'd went back to Carson Newman College, Jefferson City, Tennessee, go Eagles. And got my degree. I was majoring in, uh, at that time, I was majoring uh, in uh, uh, Christian studies and coaching. And uh, I found out I could finish a year early if I went the religion track. So I majored in religion, got out a year early and saved some money. Took all the coaching classes I could take. And, uh, uh, man, as I went from there, and we had Heather, and we had Marcy, that was BCJ, poor Kathy Jones, and, you know, went off to seminary, and uh, I had a three-year degree, I was in the four-year plan to get it done, uh, but I got it done with God's help, and then from there, we went to the foreign mission field, Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, my goodness, I love them, but they were different. They love you at arm's length. And they didn't know what Duke's mayonnaise was. And not, a lot, not all of them knew what sweet tea was. But my obstacle, friends, is I had told God, I'll go anywhere, okay? Went to Tennessee, Durham, North Carolina, right there in that uh, 
mean, we were on the tobacco row. I mean, we were on the Chapel Hill side of Durham. Had people in church offering me ball tickets to North Carolina and Duke all the time. I was too busy. Couldn't even use them. Now, I used a couple, but not all of them, I promise you. But anyway, as you think about my life there and, and where we turned and we went to Virginia, I still said, God, I'll go anywhere except Africa. And Deb and I, we were praying. And, and you know, at that time, from the time, I never did want to leave London, okay? I never did want to leave. Uh, but God said to, and so we, in obedience, uh, left and, and tried to get our training and, and did ministry along the way. And um, But my obstacle was I wasn't willing to go to Africa. And we went to something called Jericho 89. Guess what year it was? 1989. And it was up at Ridgecrest Conference Center. And we had a lot of youth with us. And so a lot of times Deb would be over here, I'd be over here, and we'd be here, but couldn't be we could kind of communicate, you know. So we were just there uh, soaking it up, and then we went back home. And I got back home, and I, I told Deb, well, I'll tell you, this is what happened there that, that got me the first day. We walked over there. Mark, appreciate this. We walked over there, and we had to be put out in different groups, okay? And when we were walking by this room, it was a 10th grade room, all 10th graders, no problem with that. I enjoyed my 10th grade year, even though it was my hardest. And uh, But above the sign, it said Africa. <laughs> you know I was going to stay away from that room. But I looked at the door, and this, smi- this girl with a smiling face, Hambone, Debbie, come here. It was Jill Kramer. She said, why don't y'all just stay here with us this week and help me out? I'd be living in Africa for a week. I didn't want to do that. What's the one place I told God I did not want to go? Spent the rest of the week there. Got home. I told Deb, I said, well, honey, I wasn't able to tell you there, but I, I had some special time with the Lord, and I want you to know that I'm willing to even go to Africa if that's what God wants us to do. We began talking to uh, uh, the mission board and uh, finding out what we'd need to do for uh, uh, getting everything. There's a lot of a lot of red tape. Scott's here today. Yeah, I know he knows. But uh, there's a lot of stuff to do to get ready to go on the missions field. And... Uh, uh, but I was willing to do that. Wherever he wanted to send me, I was willing to go. But, friends, it wasn't until I was willing to get real and get honest with God and say, yes, God, I'll even go to Africa, that he began to show me and Deb, because he was working in her life that week too, and it was amazing how when we got back, but you know it's a God thing, how he'd been working in her life at the same time. When we got back, it just kind of meshed, just meshed. But that's when he began to say, no, Hambone, I think I need you, and I want to use you right back in your homeland.
13 years that we were away, hardly a night ever went by that Deb and I, as we prayed together and we were talking, that our hearts didn't turn toward home. This is home. When God brought me back to Landrum in 1996 to First Baptist Landrum, I told him. I said, God, calling me here, yes, to this church, but to the community. From there to Fairview, Fairview to the wedding. I love my Jesus, and I love our town and our surrounding communities. And I try hard to allow God to use me to help encourage and disciple others to be able to do the same thing. And as I think about individuals that we have here among the whale, our whaleians, and I see you from young people to middle-aged people to even older people letting his light shine and you being willing to be used by God. See, remember, God was faithful to Moses. He removed the obstacles and worked through Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He worked through Devonah's life to remove some obstacles to bring us to where he wanted us to be. There's a lot of things in life that we don't understand. And we can't understand them fully at that moment. But then every now and then, God has a way of giving you a glance giving you just a glance. I am privileged to speak into the lives of 350-something young people every week through a program we call Release Time. Hey, that's a God thing. That is a God thing. I need your prayers. We need your prayers. The only way we can function through that is, is by churches who support individuals, businesses, that support DIRT, District 1 Ministries. And while that door's open, we better be running through it. We better be running through it. See, when I was at First Baptist Landrum, we were averaging 72 young people on Wednesday nights. And, and that was special, and that was good. And I didn't understand how God was going to see that I went somewhere else and wasn't there after four years. But see, now I can look back and see. I can't tell you. I've lost count of the number of salvations and recommitments to the Lord that I've experienced in sharing with the lives of young people. I was in Boiling Springs and Chestnut Area District 2 for five years. Now I think we're in our seventh year in District 1 now. God be the glory. God has been and he will be faithful. To me and to you. Thinking about obstacles that Moses had. The Red Sea, that was a pretty big obstacle, wouldn't you think? 1,200 miles long. 130 to 
230 miles wide. Okay? You know, 113 maybe to get to Columbia. So it's further than that if you're thinking about it. And understand the deepest part of that Red Sea was about 7,200 feet. That's not a small puddle, do you think? See, God, if you look on down in Exodus 14, uh, Moses was crying out, you know, God, don't fail me now. And then that's 10 through 16. And then picking up at 21 to 28 there, you'll see where God pulls through. There were many obstacles, my friends, and there are in our lives and in the lives of our families and our friends. A few of my own was I didn't have a daddy. Of course, I had a daddy. I wouldn't be here, right? But he didn't choose to have a part in my life. A bad back. God used that bad back in my life to look straight up at him. And I thank God for that. I'm too old to go back to college. Too old to go back to seminary. You know, I've got two kids. Got there and got another one. God is bigger than any obstacle that we have in our way. He is willing to part the sea to use you and to use me. He did it for Moses. He can do it for you. See, we forget sometimes. We look at these old stories and we think about it and say, wow, you know, he parted the sea. Parted the sea. And they went across. And not only that, but those dudes coming along behind them chariots and those beautiful horses and those big mighty warriors, what happened? He let it go. That shows God was in control. The question is this morning, are we allowing God to be in control of our lives? As we think about our past, as we think about excuses, as we think about obstacles in our lives, are we willing to say, God, please, please just take it? Friends, I challenge you not to wait. The lesson is plain. God knows us better than we know ourselves. So we must trust him. We must obey him in what he tells us to do because God is bigger. See, what do you sense the Holy Spirit leading you to do with this message that you've heard this morning? I want you to be honest. I want you to be open with God and yourself as you obey him this morning. See, God saw something in Moses that Moses didn't see in himself. God saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. 
And I believe this morning that God sees something in you that you can't see for yourself unless you're looking to him and you're asking him to lead you and guide you. I want you to always remember, we got my challenge. As you're bringing that up, and I'll come back to you. Friends, do you realize I shared with the young people this week? We can know about God without knowing God. We can know about Jesus without knowing Jesus. It's important that we really know him. Always remember, the will of God will never lead you where the power of God can't enable you. So, walk by faith in God's promises. God's than your past. He's bigger than your excuses. He's bigger than any obstacle that you might have in your way right now. So this morning, I invite you to come to the altar to share some special moments with our special Savior. And friends, you can come just as you are. I love you. Let me tell you something. Can't nobody love you like Jesus. You come. You need to come. Okay? If you don't, then you pray for those that are coming. Okay? Please stand.